to Caleb, first Sunday uh, on the guitar. Oh, there he is, yeah. Luke and Emma are in New England somewhere, I think up above Maryland. Uh, they had a wedding, Luke's best man and Emma's cousin. Uh, same person is getting married, so they had uh, planned long ago to head up to that, so that's where they are this weekend, and uh, Caleb is part of the rotation. You know, we've been praying about this, haven't we, for quite a while to be able to have just the rotation, uh, one, the gifts that God has given us to be able to explore those, and, uh, and so I'm very thankful for that. Um, so we're back from Nashville, Tennessee, where we had our international convention. I just want to catch you up real quick. We're part of, we are Foursquare, and so just to catch you up a little bit on what was going on, an amazing convention, one of the, I believe, the largest convention that we've had uh, to date. So we had over 4,000 people that were registered to be at convention, and so all ministers that were there. So praise God for the outpouring of, of the ministers who came. Interestingly, we have, um, well, they provide uh, not child care, but they provide um, classes for youth and for kids as well. And so they were expecting 200, and we had 500 that, that came. And so they were scrambling to call in more volunteers from around the Nashville area to come and help. But, uh, I mean, as you can see, there, there's so much inpouring that happens, not only for the pastors, but for the, the children of the pastors as well, uh, those who are there. So it was uh, quite an amazing week, and our, our boys were able to participate in that as well. Um, and so just overall, an amazing week. Of course, we also were uh, electing our new president of Foursquare that will begin next September, so a year and a few months away from that. We had two amazing candidates um, and, and by the way, this was not a political election. This was not how we're used to elections happening <laughs> where people are bashing each other. First of all, that would not be good in the body of Christ, would it? Um, but there was none of that. As a matter of fact, there's a picture of Tammy and of Randy, who were the two candidates, before the election process. And they're arm in arm, you know, just before the vote is happening and just a sign of the unity. And, and I'll tell you, for Stasha and myself, we did not know which way to go. Uh, in our vote, because both uh, individuals are godly, both individuals are have very a lot of vision. Uh, but as it as it turned out with the vote, Randy Remington was elected our president. And I'll tell you, for us, it became very evident. We went up to Life Bible College. No, it's not that anymore. Ignite <laughs> College. Uh, we, it is still that. But anyway, we went to the campus to hear those two present the vision and what they felt that the Lord had on their heart. And we had an idea who we wanted to go with. But then. It became very evident when the two candidates spoke to us before we voted that uh, just the pastor heart that Randy had, there was something that was there that the Holy Spirit was putting his seal on for that moment. Um, and so just the, the it, it, was a, it was an amazing moment just to see. So we're going to be in good hands. And of course, Tammy, uh, I believe she's going to continue, uh, well, she is going to be continuing for the next year and a half in her role of general supervisor and overseeing all the churches that are in the United States an amazing lady of God, and so, um, but anyway, that's your new Foursquare president, Randy Remington. You can look him up on social media. Um, you can look up his church online. Um, he has a, a very large church, several campuses. They've planted um, several Hispanic congregations, uh, sent people around the world, so he has the heartbeat of what Foursquare truly is, and that's sending people uh, around the world. I think I heard that 
uh, Christian, something like 10,000 churches around the world now that Foursquare has. No, it's more than that. 100,000, 100,000 churches around the world that Foursquare has because there's like, I don't know, anyway, 100,000 churches around the world. That's amazing, isn't it? What's going on? So thank God for uh, uh, the movement that God has placed us in, but I just wanted to catch you up on that. Well, um, we're going to get into the message here. I do want us to stop just for a moment to pray. Lisa Hardwick um, is finishing up surgery this morning. She went in Friday to have her gallbladder removed, and they got to it today. So we, we want to pray for her real quick. Lord, we pray for Lisa as she's finishing up this surgery. Uh, actually, having just finished up another surgery two weeks ago on her shoulder and her wrist, God, we pray for her recovery process that it would be quick. There would be no complications in Jesus' name. Thank you for help to her body. Amen. 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 You know, one of the things that um, also became very evident, really the first night, I leaned over to Stasha, and I don't remember if it was Doug or Luke, whoever was sitting beside of me, and I said, you know, I haven't been really sure where we're going after this series, but part of wholeness, we need to talk about the presence of God. There's something about the presence of God, um, and, and by the way, the last message on the last night was talking about that, um, was about the presence of God, and so that was definitely a con uh, confirmation moment. You know, I don't want to do anything, I don't want us to do anything without the presence of God making it very clear that, um, that that's what we're supposed to be doing, that's how we're supposed to be leading, uh, that's how we're supposed to be living our lives day to day, is with the presence of God. Moses said, God, I, I don't want to go into the promised land, the place that you have intended without your presence. He said, I would rather stay in the wilderness with your presence than in the promised land with all the blessings without your presence. What a bold statement to make. You know, we, I, I enjoy the blessings of God. I enjoy his favor. Uh, but more than all of those things, I want his presence. So be praying with me through that as I'm starting to work on the next series, and, and I'm not sure how long that one's going to take. We may take several different series that has to do with the presence of God as we finish out uh, the year. Isn't that crazy? First part of June, and I'm saying finish out the year. But um, that's what brings wholeness, His presence. So today, I want that to even be evident as we talk about our finances, as we continue in this series, Wholeness and Finances. You know, I want God's presence to be very much involved in my finances, in my wallet. I want his understanding uh, of how he views this to be very evident. You're going to hear some themes repeating this week and next week. Uh, and that's very intentional as we're talking about wholeness. You're going to hear a lot about uh, generosity and stewardship. Today, a little bit more about stewardship. I know, hopefully you don't get sick of hearing that word. Um, but there's something that God wants us to understand about the resources he's blessed us with. And so, so that's where we're going to go. And we thought, last week I brought up the point. I said, you know, if I told you that you could be healed physically, you would, you would do whatever God's word said to experience that healing, right? If you wanted... Um, spiritual wholeness you would do whatever god's word said to find that well it's even true in our finances if we want wholeness in our finances we've got to ex experience and explore what god's word says about it uh, we've all heard the the ministers we've all heard the uh the negative televangelists who are out there for the money and that's not the avenue that we're going down mr stowe said this morning that as we tithe as we bring our tithe and offering it's not really about the money. It's about a heart of obedience to what God's word says that just happens to deal with our money. 
Um, and so that's the, the whole idea that we're talking about. We don't want to go down the road of having a prosperity gospel that, Lord, if I do this, you're going to bless my finances, that I'll have whatever I want. That's not the heart behind it, because then we're not really seeking the heart of God, which is to bless other people um, and to allow God to use us in, in that. So I, I asked last week, when you hear the phrase blessed by God, what do you think of? You know, we talk about money, we talk about possessions, finances, jet skis, all these different things. I've been blessed by the Lord. You know, those things aren't always a blessing, are they? Uh, I want to truly find out the blessing uh, of God. I've been in those situations where there's months left and I have no money. You know, there's still a few days to go and I'm like, okay, we're just going to have to, everybody hold your breath till we make it through and we'll eventually get there. And it affects every part of you. It affects us physically. It affects us spiritually. So let's talk about wholeness. We're not going to be talking about how you should invest your money. I'm not going to be giving practical uh, money tips or anything like that. Go to the professionals for that, by the way. If you're interested in investments and retirement and all those, that's part of being a good steward. Okay. But at the end of the day, we want to find out, God, how is it that we get our finances in order so that we're a blessing to you by blessing your people? And so that's what we're looking at. Let's talk about uh, our continuing our theme of ownership and stewardship today. If you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew 25, we'll get to verse 14 here in a few moments. We're going to read a little story here uh, out of Matthew 25, 14. Um, but I want to ask you this question. Have you ever wanted to live without financial stress? Anybody? So there's like four or five of us in here that want to live without financial stress. The rest of us, just listen in case you ever come to that point in your life where you don't want to have any financial stress at all, um, and maybe you can use this a little bit later, but when we grasp stewardship that we've been talking about, we can experience life without financial stress, and I'm talking to people who have a lot of money, and I'm talking to people who have a little bit of money. If you talk to people who have a little bit of money, they experience financial stress. If you talk to people who have a lot of bit of money, they experience financial stress as well from time to time because, you know, you read those stories, you hear about those stories, and it's like, well, everybody keeps coming to me for money. Everybody, you know, what, where am I supposed to give? How am I supposed to hear God? All these different things. So, but when we grasp the stewardship, we can experience uh, life without financial stress. I, I thought of it this way. Think of um, this, this idea. Owning your home versus renting your home. Now, we know the reasons for owning your home, don't we? It's an investment, something that hopefully builds value over time. It's, it's your place. You can do whatever you want to. Renting is the other option that we have. And as you know, most of our life here in Mooresville, we were renting until we found our home. Here's what I love. When the air conditioner goes out, I call somebody else to take care of it. Um, when the roof comes off the house, I get to call somebody else to take care of the hot water heat, whatever it may be. I get to call somebody else and say, it's, it's your turn to take care of this. We're having this issue. So in that sense, that's a pretty, pretty cool deal. I know that there is somebody else who is the responsible party to take care of what's going on in that situation. For my part, though, I do have to be a good steward of that home. When we left the house that we were renting, we had to make sure that it was clean. We had to make sure that it was in working order. Our goal was to get it in better working order than when we got there. That was just our goal to be able to do that. Um, but anyway, what I learned and what we've learned is who's responsible for the, prayer, for the repairs when you rent? The owner is. When you own your home, who is responsible for the repairs? 
you are in that moment. Of course, there's pros and cons. Let me ask you this. Who has ever stayed at someone else's home or vacation home? Anybody in here? You ever stayed at someone else's vacation home that you knew? Um, Sasha and I, we had uh, uh, some really good friends at uh, the church where we were, and they had a place down at the beach, and they said, anytime you want to use it, you can go down to the vacation home down there at the beach. Now, we did not take advantage of that situation, but we did use it on two or three occasions. We were able to go down. But here's the thing. We were worried when we were in that house because we didn't... <coughs> We didn't want to spill anything on the carpet. We didn't want to, our kids to break a window or to make a mess because they were little at the time. And so we, we took very good care of that place. Why is it? Because it was not our home. We were stewarding that home, and we wanted them to invite us back. We didn't want them to say, oh, it's them Giles again. They leave the place a mess whenever they leave. We took care of it. In fact, we probably took a little bit better care of it, and we left it better than we found it. Well, what about your finances? We established last week, who does all the money and possessions actually belong to anyway? God. Are we leaving? Am I leaving? I'm making this very personal. Am I leaving the money, the resources that God has entrusted me with in a better position when Jesus comes back and says, all right, what did you do with what I entrusted to you? Man, I was studying this last week, and I was like, oh, because I started thinking about times where I was not stewarding the finances of God very well. I was foolish. You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody else ever been foolish with your money? I have been. I have been foolish with my money. And so I started reading this. But here's the thing that we've said that we're going to vow to. This study is not about condemnation. This study is so that we find wholeness in our finances moving forward from today. That's our goal. That's our point within all of this, okay? So in the following parable, following, following, whichever way, the following parable, Jesus is primarily talking about a sum of money. So I had you turn to Matthew 25, 14. You've heard this story before. So I'm going to be reading, and I'm going to be stopping along the way, okay, just to make a couple comments. But we're going to read basically this whole story here. And um, what I'm going to do here is actually I'm going to read it off of my notes here because I have my, my comments that are there. But you've turned to Matthew 25, 14, and it says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money. Circle that if you're following along. He entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Now, we understand in this parable that who, who is the man who went away? It was, it was God. It was Jesus who went away, and he entrusted his money to the servants, to the believers. Jesus entrusted his money to them. Verse 15, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now, the study that I did, um, somebody who was making an analysis of this money, this was a lot of money. Um, one bag of silver was equal to uh, a lifetime of early uh, uh, yearly wages. That's a lot of money that was entrusted. So we're talking about more money than they could ever have spent on their own. 
okay? That's what we're talking about here. Jesus gave different, amount, different amounts based on their ability. So we'll notice this. Jesus said, I can trust Dwayne with a bag of silver, so he's getting a bag. I can trust Christine with two bags of silver, so she gets two. Dean, I can trust with five bags of silver, so I'm going to give him five. Um, but notice this. Jesus trusted each person with a sum of money, okay? Verse 16 the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Let me ask you a question. Whose money did this investor hide, this servant? Whose money did he hide? God's money. Who was in possession of it? The servant was in possession of it. He hid the money, okay? Verse 19, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and collected, I'm sorry, and called all of them to give an account of how they had used the money. You seeing where this is going here? The master returns and he's like, all right, what did you do with the money? What did you do with it? Verse 20, the servant whom he had entrusted um, the five bags of silver came forward with five more. Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Here's what I want to bring out today. Something that I, this is a message that I have preached at funerals. This is a message that I have preached just on a regular Sunday morning. But I want us to catch the context of where this phrase that I'm about to tell you comes from. Well done, my good and faithful servant. What is the context where Jesus uses that phrase? Money. You see why it's so important? I'm doing my daily reading, uh, and this morning, well, the last few days, we have been in the book of Proverbs. Do you know how much the book of Proverbs talks about money? A lot. Why is money so important to God? Because he understands something. Our heart is very closely tied to that money because it gets us things. It, um, it can be a symbol of status. It can be all these things. But here's what else I know about it. The enemy can distract us from fulfilling the purposes and plans of God. We will hear this phrase, well, well done, good and faithful servant, two more times. In context, it is talking about the money. Now, is it right to appropriate and to draw from this how we use our gifts, how we use our time, how we use our talents? Sure, we can. But in this context, it's talking about the money. The people who will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, are those who are good stewards with what God has given them. I read that two weeks ago, and I was like, mind blown with all of this. Okay, well, how do you know he's talking about money? We'll get to that here in just a moment. First of all, he keeps saying over and over, but we'll see a little bit more in just a moment. In the way, David, that you handle his money, will you hear this? You know what? There are times up to this point in my life I don't think so. Do I tithe? Sure. Do I give to the poor? Do I give to different things? Absolutely. I really do. I support missionaries personally. That doesn't come through the church. You know, I, there's things that I do. 
But man, there's so many areas that I have been foolish with the money that God has given me. And in a sense, I have buried it in the ground. There's been parts of it I've invested in. We'll see when Jesus comes back, but I feel I've done a pretty good job in areas of investment. Man, there's some, I don't know. Again, this is not about condemnation. Verse 22, the servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I have invested two more. I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Did you catch that? After the investment came back. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I want you to notice this, too. We just had the guy with five bags and the guy with two bags. Please note this. It's not how much you're entrusted with. It's about how, how much you've been entrusted with and what you do with it, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot. Think about this. The widow who had two mites and put it in the offering plate, that was all she had left, she was honored more than the rich people who put in 10 times more than she did, however much more that they put in. They put in a ton of money into the offering plate, but it was a portion of what they had. It wasn't honoring to the Lord and what he had commanded. This widow was honored because she put in all that she had. See, it's a hard thing that Jesus is wanting to draw out here. Verse 24, the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you did not plant and gathering crops you did not cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Now, here's the great thing. This guy didn't lose any money. But that's not what the master had entrusted him with. He said, go do something with this. So many people are scared of God and live in fear, whether it be with your money, whether it be with your time, whether it be with your, your talents and abilities. But even to the point of, I don't know how much of this green stuff I'm going to make, so I've got to hold it for myself. When everything that we've learned the last two weeks, God is saying, you continue to give and I will make sure you have the seed to plant when you need it. See, God is wanting our hearts to be free from fear about tomorrow, especially when it comes to our finances. Please, let me stop here for a moment. We've been talking about stewarding. We are not to be foolish with our money and give it all away and not prepare for the future and things like that, okay? So you guys understand that. We are to be wise stewards. But to hoard it all in the sense of this is mine. We covered this last week. It's not yours. It's not mine. It belongs to God. And he's saying, if you will live by the principles that you have found in God's word, you will have what you need for tomorrow and you will be able to continue to be a blessing. That's the whole point of what he's talking about. Verse 26, but here's what the master said. I mean, this guy, here, here's all your money back, God, or master. Here's all your money back. I didn't lose any of it. Look at the response from the master. You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I did not plant and gathered crops I did not cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money? Catch that? 
my money in the bank. At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Stewardship is the management of the property of another. Let me say that again. Stewardship is the management of the property of another. When Sasha and I would go and use this vacation home, we recognized we were stewarding the property of another person. And so we took care of it. We made sure that it was in better condition than when we arrived, at least as good a condition, tried to make it in better condition as when we arrived because we recognized this was not ours. We had, the res- we had the responsibility and we had the pleasure of being able to utilize what was given to us, but we wanted to return it in good, good working order. All right, let's get to these points real quick. You've heard this one. I am not the owner. You've said that the last two weeks, David. I know. I'm needing to get it in my head. If this is not for you, it's for me, okay? I am not the owner our memory verse last week was from Psalm 24 where it says the Lord are the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all its people belong to him Psalm 50 we read this where it says but I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens for all the animals of the forest are mine I own the cattle on a thousand hills I know every bird of the mountain and the animals of uh, of all the field are mine if I were hungry I would not let you know for all the world is mine and everything in it see it's God's okay this was Old Testament references that I get, just gave you. This week, I want to give you a New Testament reference to what we just read. And it comes out of, if you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 10.26. So you won't see this up on the screen, but 1 Corinthians 10.26 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That's New Testament. You know, last week we were kind of talking about the whole idea of, well, this was all law. And we understood, no, the tithe came before the law. Well, this is New Testament stuff here. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything means everything belongs to him. We just get to be stewards. How can we say that anything belongs to us? We just get to be stewards of what God has given us. So (laughs) this is a great little example I want to give you. Has anyone ever said, now this could be parents and your kids are out of the house now, um, or maybe you're a teenager and you've heard your parents say this, but has anyone ever said this to your teenager? This is not your house and this is not your room, so keep it clean. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that before growing up? I heard it growing up. Anybody ever said it before? Anybody ever said it before? Yeah, there's a few hands. This is, well, you need to clean your room. But it's my room. No, it's not. You're getting to borrow it while you live here. That, that's, that's the thing. You're getting to borrow it for a little bit. We're providing this for you uh, while you're here. We say things like, your mother and I were happy when it was just the two of us, and we will be happy when you leave to have our house back. I'm kind of kidding about that. Here's the thing. It's God's. It's not ours. We can at times be those teenagers that says, but it's mine. No, it's really not. It's all God's. So, it's all God's. Second point, I am a steward. 
God told Adam and Eve to tend the garden. Genesis, this is in Genesis, by the way, if you want to look in chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 is where I'm bringing this from, okay? God told Adam and Eve to tend the garden. The reality is they didn't own it. They, he said, steward this garden, tend to this garden. You know what reminded them that they did not own it? It was the tree that he put in the middle and he said, don't eat from that. Because when you do, you will die. See, they could have taken on this, well, they started to take on this whole mentality that this is all ours so we can even eat from the tree that God said not to eat from. But God said, nope. What happened to Adam and Eve? They got kicked out of the garden because they disobeyed. They forgot that they were stewards. See, what happened was Satan came in and told them that they could be the owner, in essence. When they sinned, God removed them, and it proved that they were not the owner at all. The story of the talents that we just read, this talent represents a sum of money. There are some who are entrusted with a lot of money. There are some who are entrusted with less. Be generous and a good steward of what you have. Yeah, but so-and-so makes more money than me. They can afford to give. Never make the mistake. This is something I was taught very early from my mom and from pastors. Never make the mistake of saying, I will be generous when I have more. Let me tell you something. No, you won't. That's a harsh word this morning. I know that can come across very presumptuous and, and stern. No, you won't. I'm hearing little, it's true, coming around it. Because one, I've experienced it. Never make the mistake of saying, I will be generous when I have more. I will tithe when I can afford it. Yeah, you can't afford not to. Never give, and also this, never give to get more money at the same time. That's greed. Well, I'm going to give because God says he's going to give me more. If Well, that, that turns into greed. Is the principle there? Sure it is. But why has he given us this seed of money to be stewards of and to give to those who are in need? To expand, we heard a lot about missions in Foursquare. Can I just stop for a moment to thank you for how you give to missions? Oh my goodness, some things that are going on around this world. I wish you could see all those videos, which you probably can if you go to the Foursquare website um, and the Foursquare Facebook page. They have some of those things uh, posted. Foursquare Missions International, that's what I was looking at. It's fmi.org or Foursquare Missions Christian FMI. fmi.org, if you'll go there, you can see some of these stories. Thank you for giving to missions. Keep it up. Because what's happening is the, the reward that's coming back. Christine? For those in the back, if you couldn't hear, we've been bringing in clothes for Jamaica. We have more than we need. And as a matter of fact, some of the things we took to the Christian mission, the warm weather clothes, we took a lot of those to the Christian mission because in Jamaica they didn't necessarily need those. But they, and so many clothes that came in. So thank you. I mean, you're giving of your possessions. And they were good stuff. It wasn't, you know, we, we'd asked for good stuff. And so thank you for giving in those areas. Um, yeah, so never give to get more. That is greed. Never hoard what you have 
and give God credit. That's the prosperity gospel. You know, oh, I just thank God for all the blessings that he's given me. What are you doing with them? Well, I'm keeping them to myself because, you know, one of these days I might need it. Don't give God glory for that. Give God glory when you're doing what he says to do with it. I'm going to clarify that here in just a few moments, okay? Because obviously we want to give God glory for what we have that he's blessed us with, okay? So just hold on with me for a moment because we've got to ask this question. Number three, am I a good steward? We're stewards. Are we a good steward? By the way, everybody is a steward. God has entrusted you with something, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little. Are you a good steward of that? Luke 12 if you want to write down Luke 12, um, 16 through 20, you can turn there if you'd like to. I'm going to go ahead and read this. It says, Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room enough for all the crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tell down, tear down my barns and make bigger barns. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. Is there anything wrong with that? No. He's building, he's got more resources that he can handle, so he's making a place to store all these things. Here's where the issue comes in. Verse 19, and I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night, then who will get everything you worked for? See, his issue came in when he said, I have all I need. Now I'm just going to take it easy. He forgot the generosity aspect. He was a great steward, but he forgot the generosity aspect. Because, you know, building bigger barns, really, there's not an issue with that. Because there is a storehouse that blessing can come from, is the point that was trying to be made here. Here's our memory verse that I want us to, to look at. Luke 12, verse 21 says, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Within that re rich relationship with God, and you understand his heart for you and for your finances, generosity flows from that. And that's what God is talking about. You want things to turn around in your finances? Do it God's way absolutely God's way. See, God supplied the harvest where the man, he only lived for himself. I must be a blessing. Let me ask you this. Does being a good steward mean giving it all away? No, it means listening to God. God, what would you say in this moment? Because here's the reality. If I give it all away, I can't give when God asks me to. Can we stand this morning? Today, I want to, with this teaching and what we've just heard, I want to keep this in mind. God, I don't want to do anything without your presence. God, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to invest in anything. I don't want to give anything. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything without your presence in my life. You know what? When you are guided by the presence of God, when you are truly listening for the voice of God and, and you're hearing what he has to say, I'm telling you what, he will lead you and he will guide you and you will have a certainty of what he has said for your life. Can we be people who are 
in our health, in our relationships, in our finances, in our church relationships, in the gifts that God has given us, and the, the talents, the time, the treasure, that God, nothing without your presence. Can you just take a moment and respond to the Lord this morning? Uh, if you want to just maybe extend your palms out in front of you, and Lord, here's my life. God, here's a representation of everything that you've given me to steward. And, and Lord, I don't want to do any of it without your presence. So Holy Spirit, I invite you in today to speak to me, Lord, to correct the areas in my life that need correction, to encourage the areas of my life that need encouragement. Lord, that we would continue in the things that you have called us to do. Father, I just pray a prayer of blessing over this congregation today. God, thank you for their faithfulness to you. Fill them with your Holy Spirit today. God, would you fill us to overflow with your Holy Spirit? God, that so we would have assurance of your presence in our life. God, that there would be no condemnation that's over anyone in this, this building today. Because, God, when we walk out of here, we want to be whole people, spirit, soul, and body. So that we can be a blessing to the people of Mooresville, to the people of Iredell County, Cabarrus County, Mecklenburg, whatever county we're representing today. And wherever you send us, Lord, we're taking the peace and the presence and the blessing of God with us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to encourage you in this today. Give everything about you to God. Surrender in the sense of, Lord, it's all yours. He is the true owner. And he's called you to be a steward. Amen? Amen. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you know, and this is what I mean by that. Maybe everybody in here, you've prayed the prayer of salvation. Maybe not. But just the idea of, you know what, God, I, I really need to commit my life to you again because it hasn't been going well lately and I'm recognizing this. I've heard these, a lot of these conversations lately. Mr. and Ms. Stowe are going to be at the front. They're going to dismiss us in prayer. Um, but come and let them agree with you in prayer. There's something about the power of agreement. Something